Welcome back live. Another edition of the Bearcat Bounce podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. Joined, as always, by Aaron Smith. Aaron, up, beautiful, beautiful Sunday, beautiful fall weather in the air, football. You got a, you got a Browns win, a Bengals win, you got a Colts win. I, I mean, we're kind of covering all the bases in the, in the local tri-state area. Wins all around, a big win for the Bearcats yesterday. You know what? Yes, it was. It's a pretty good, pretty good weekend. Can't put it wrong, right? I mean, you know, Bearcat Twitter, Bengals Twitter, I'm sure Browns Twitter, Colts Twitter, everybody has their own reason to bitch. Yes. There's always, even after a win, Sorry, everybody Dan. has their own reason. Yes, no doubt. Sorry, Dan. There's no doubt there. But right now, people, people just seem to be happy. It's a win. Winning, winning, winning all around. That's, that's the way that I put it. But the main win that we'll be talking here on the BBP, of course, is that 28-7 victory against South Florida yesterday. And I'm going to be completely honest. Honest. Right off the bat, I was not there. I was at a wedding, had that obligation, performed Shaggy on stage, Angel. It's fantastic. I'm going to try and see if I can get a record deal from it. And aside from that, I was able to track the game, watch it today, and there are a lot of things to unpack from that game, Aaron. You're not kidding. And first and foremost, you know, I do want to point out, I believe I'm two for two now on calling out uh, where to place your bets, depending <laughs> on uh, where you're getting the spread. Uh, if you didn't get the 21 oh. and a half, if you got the 20.5 and place your bets on UC at the 20.5, yeah. uh, yeah. congratulations. However, yeah. if you got in at the 21.5 and you didn't take the under, I told you so. Dude, dude, how, how is Vegas so good at that? Seriously. They really are. It's uncanny. Uh, but it's crazy. It is literally crazy. That's why they get paid the big bucks, though, right? Yeah. I mean, that desert, man, there's there's something in the sand out there. I tell you what. But a, a big win, I and, I and I have to bring this up. So I was at a wedding last year during the ECU game. Now, if you remember the ECU game last year, that was a wow. I, I was sweating just tracking the game. And that game seemed like it was eight hours long. So luckily, this this weekend was a little different. Kind of a comfortable lead throughout all of it. Uh, definitely a lot of things to talk about as far as the passing game and, and the offense as a whole in general. But, you know, Aaron, you, you kind of break it down where in the beginning, whatever game plan you had, whatever script you had for the first few plays, throw it out of the, out of the toilet because turnover, turnover, apple turnover, cherry pie turnover. We're talking tasty turnovers left and right, not the good way, but, you know, I, it, it was it was wild, back and forth, interception, 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 fumble. I, I mean, what what were you thinking those first couple of minutes? Listen, I mean, you started with the pick by Kobe Bryant, then you followed that up with the pick by uh, by South Florida. Yeah, and then you ended up with another pick by Ahmad Gardner. It was it was crazy too because immediately the first pass that Des threw. It looked crisp. It looked where he wanted it. It was you hit a guy in stride, and you wonder where it all went wrong because immediately thereafter, he uh, just throws a, an interception. Yeah, and, um, and you know, yeah. it's it's crazy because you mentioned that obviously a real crisp pass on that on, on his first look, and you know you're starting. To, well, well, things are starting to get moving in the right direction. Crisp pass there to Michael Young, and then of course just a very bad throw. 
that his first interception was a very bad pass, bad decision. And you're not wrong. It, I, it was, I don't. It was. It was horrible. Like yeah. You because you, you know after you see that crisp pass and you're thinking like all right this is going to be the Des that we're going to see today and we needed to see that kind of a Desmond Ritter just with the faith that we've all kind of lost already this season and you know what's already been just a short season three and zero you know there's nothing to to be ashamed about and I guess you know kind of from some of the comments I saw from Fickle uh, post game you just saw Des on the sidelines kind of hanging his head you know you you kind of wonder if you actually had fans in the stands if that energy, if, you know, the players would have fed off that energy a little bit more. And I think Fickle kind of alluded to that in some of the, uh, the post-game commentary. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of it, you know, you want to have your quarterback be confident and, and also in the presser, Luke talked about, Coach Fickle talked about wanting to have Des be confident and, and having plays that can raise his confidence early in the game. But I mean, that, that, that bad pass that probably tore down his confidence a little bit. That was all on him. Uh, That was across his body. A, a pass that you definitely shouldn't be making, especially a three-year starter. You you can't be making that throw. You can't think that you can force it into places that are completely difficult to get it to. But luckily, that that defense. I you know, it's I'm starting to wonder if the offense at times knows they have as strong of a defense that they do to kind of back them up when they do make those mistakes. I I mean that interception by Sauce on the sideline was was phenomenal. I, I he went up, got it. You know, the defense is literally top, top notch. Well, and I was having a text conversation with one of my friends during the game, and I said to him, I think you have roughly five guys, whether it be in an actual on Sunday in a game or even a practice squad situation or even like a, you know, Michael Warren where you know, undrafted free agent potentially and maybe they get their shot, maybe they don't. But I think you have five guys who end up at least on, right now on defense that are going to end up on Sundays. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kobe Bryant was kind of that, that player defensively last year that we, you know, we, we minted him with Mamba Island, a, a nice gift from Bearcat journal to Kobe Bryant was giving him an Island. We literally gave him an Island. Chad paid for it in full. Wow. I, I was impressed when Chad bought that Mamba Island, but I digress. He, he did not quite own the Island. It was more, it, it was overtaken numerous times throughout the season last year but and then he has two interceptions against you know USF on yesterday it just seems like his confidence is now brewing and when you have all four of those DBs brewing cohesive unit with that defensive line I it's hard to think of I you know a lot of people want to compare to that 2009 defense and and 2008 defense different different ones of the Bearcat generations I look at this one, and they're really starting to put the tape out there to make the argument that, you know, maybe the best defense to ever come through Cincinnati. I don't think you're wrong there. And, you know, we finished the the week, you know, kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. But we finished our week at number at top 10 right now is because you have a top 10 defense here in Cincinnati. I don't think that's even questioned right now. And I think that most of the national commentators would agree because to be honest, not most, most of them aren't actually watching Cincinnati games, but what they do know is we have a stellar defense that said, I think it's the offense that's hampering us and bringing us there in at 11 instead of cracking that top 10. Yeah. You, you know, I, you look back at the first half, and all those, you know, turnovers. And then before you know it, Cincinnati has their final one good drive 
of that first quarter. They're able to get that touchdown run for Jared Dokes. And then after that, it's kind of just like both sides kind of stalled. And it, it looked like neither team was really going to get any momentum heading into the second half. And then Chad mentioned it on his Bearcat Bites, but I, you know, on, on his Brendel Bites, I think that, that that catch by Josh Wiley on the sideline in the end zone is was kind of the not really the turning point, if you will, but kind of the turning point, sure, of the game. Because if, if you go into that locker room with the score tie, with, with it 7-0, and again, you should be dominating your opponent. I think that, that pitch, that catch, it was a great ball. I think that right there gave them the, the momentum that they needed heading into that second half. Because that's the same play, if I'm not mistaken. Well, not the same play, but it was it was another uh, pass to Josh Wiley in the end zone that he actually. I take the all back. It was uh, to Jayshon Jackson. Jason Jackson. I, yeah, yep. that that they ran that fade route and he doesn't come down with that ball. And then right. Josh Wiley on another fade route, a different play, but another fade route there. He does come down with it because he had the matchup. He's a bigger fella, you know. He's you throw it up there and the big guy is going to come down with it. Yeah, he's not. Gonna, Get a wrestle away by a safety by a corner. No, no, he's not. And and you you look at as they went to the second half. Then it was kind of a game that I, I I don't know from from my point of view. Just looking at it, it just seemed like one where you really kind of thought that it was going to be opened up in the second half. And it just didn't really start to happen like that. You know, it, that first drive, it's it's the missed field goal by Cole Smith. You know, and then you kind of just see, okay, well, is, is USF going to get anything going on their side of things? And, you know, they end up going forward on fourth down on, on Cincinnati's 35-yard line. It just seemed like a lot of back and forth. Neither team really tried to, tried to take away until, yet again, another solid drive. And where they really stuck with the run this time, they did get a couple passes during during that touchdown drive about eight minutes left in the third quarter they were able to find Bruno LaBelle in the end zone for the touchdown but they were able to kind of establish the run and that's something we talked about last week really something that they had to get going was establishing the run now Jared Dokes 100 yards looks like they're slowly starting to do that well when you run the ball 45 times you're definitely looking to see Des scampering around a little bit more because the one time he did um and actually got broke one. It was for 26 yards. He only finished the day on the other hand with four carries for 28 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have liked to see a little bit more out of, you know, even, even Jerome Ford and, and McClelland as they didn't have big games themselves, unfortunately. Uh, you know, it was, it was really just kind of the Doak show. Um, and I'm not at all opposed to the Doak show. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we <laughs> saw that especially against Austin P. But, yeah. uh, you know, when you run the ball 45 times, I would have liked to see a better average than 4.2. And that's me just being a little bit greedy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, we, we at least did get the run going. And, again, I think it did kind of open up the pass game. It was just we were missing some wide-open shots, unfortunately, and that's kind of been the tale of this season with Ritter. And, uh, you know, it's just you, you hope that something starts connecting soon. And, and then the one time South Florida was able to get some points on the board, it, it, it took them a dipsy-doo trickery play on fourth down and 14 
to even pick up that first down. How about that? A, a double reverse pass. You know that you're really struggling against the defense when you have to go that deep in your bag of tricks and pull out a double reverse pass. But they were able to do it. Uh, you know, found a good good ball to get them. I, I kind of actually was close to James Wiggins getting there to, to deny them of the first down, which just talks about the athleticism that he has. But that did set them up first and goal. They were able to punch it into the end zone. But after that, it was just the defense was just so dominant. And we've talked about that a lot. You know, we've already mentioned here on this podcast. And it's just it's something that you can continuously just really beat to a pulp and just touch about how great they are. But then the offense needs to follow because the special teams is right there having a great season as well, including Trey Tucker's. He finally was able to break through and have a long kickoff return. Man, Trey Tucker is fast. You know, and – you talk about the special teams. I don't think you can talk about the special teams without bringing up James Smith, although it's nice to actually have, you know, a Trey Tucker to bring up this week as opposed to just James Smith. Yes. So it was it was good to see him finally break one. I believe it's been since uh, – it's been several years since we've actually broken a, a kick return for a touchdown. Um, so, no, it was I, it was great to see, you know, some of those blocks. You knew, you figured it was a matter of time before Trey was able to – either on a jet sweep or on a, on a kick return, he was going to break one at some point this year. And as you know, I wasn't upset to see it sooner than later. No, and, and the funniest thing was in, in the pre- post-game press conference, they had Trey Tucker on there. And of course you could just sense that little, that little, not cockiness, let's just say high confidence level that Trey Tucker has, you know, Chad and, and, and Justin Williams were, were asking him questions and, you know, he kind of just had this little coy smile to him. And, you know, Chad mentioned about, Luke bringing up didn't want to get you know caught from behind, you know sniped from behind by one of the USF players. It looked like someone was coming on close. And Trey Tucker, of course, just says, you know, I didn't even kick it into a higher gear. I easily knew I was going to make it to the end zone just coasting the way he was. And it, it's just like, okay, well, I would love to be that fast for one day, maybe. Give me just one hour with that kind of speed it would be fun. The wind would be pretty crazy to feel, but uh, you know. As you mentioned, it's if you have a James Smith, you have a you know great punt blockers. You have Ryan Montgomery, who is a very steady, very controlling punt returner, and then Trey Tucker. It's just all the different added in things. But now Cole Smith with the missed field goal, probably something they want to shore up a little bit. But aside that, you really got to ring it all back into the offense. And yeah, you know, Aaron, you're on Bearcat Twitter. You follow it. We had the same conversation last week, and I was hoping we did not have to have it again this week. What's going on can at quarterback? Get, get, can the can the producer chime in real quick here? One hundred percent, Jack. Go ahead. Do, does anyone watch Trey Tucker and feel like somebody hit fast forward? Yes. Watching his legs move <laughs> on the television. Yes, that's what I thought. Like, Literally, I, I've noticed, and this was like, I, I wasn't at the game this week. I was watching from home. Yeah. Uh, but when you watch highlights of him or when you watch him on television, it looks like uh, like the Roadrunner. You know, like how, how the <laughs> how right. you almost like his wheels are just spinning as he's running. And it, it, it was it's hilarious to me that he literally looks like the minute he touches the ball, especially on those jet sweeps. Yes. That somebody hits fast forward just on him. Just on Not him. on everybody else, right? But just on him. I, I, I just wanted to make that observation. You guys can get back to the quarterback thing now. <laughs> well, hey, thank you for pulling us away with that that positiveness. And also, I just love. I, I mean, Chad, it was pretty pretty obvious that he was 
overly confident in that press conference. And I hope it's the first of many to come where he's just able to, to open up and just kind of he's, – he's got a little character behind that speed. So uh, it was great to see Tucker get into the end zone again, second touchdown of the year. But now back to the doom and gloom that is the quarterback talk of the last couple of weeks. Desmond Ritter. Oh, man. Aaron, uh, you know, the final stat line is not one you want to go home and write about. Uh, 16 to 26, 143. Two touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, yeah, unravel it for me. Well, you wonder what's going on because this isn't the Desmond Ritter that we saw his freshman year. This isn't the Desmond Ritter that we thought we were going to get last year. And at times he looked better than this. At times he looked. At times he looked like this stat line last year. Yeah. Um, I, I said it last week, and I, I'll say it again. I think, unfortunately, I think Des has, has regressed. I don't know that you're going to see better Desmond Ritter I, I, since the shoulder injury. I, I, maybe that's it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't, you know, no one's going to really be able to put their finger on it that isn't in the organization. Um, and nobody's going to come out straight forward and say, well, this is what's wrong with Des. Uh, with that said, you know, maybe if Ben Bryant hadn't been injured with an undisclosed injury, Maybe we would have seen Ben Bryant this week. Maybe there would have been a shorter leash on Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, I think it was uh, – there were plenty of people clamoring for Evan Prater, but we found out that Evan Prater is fourth on this depth chart. Right. Yeah. So, there's I don't no, know that you're going – no, there's, there's really not an easy fix, especially if Ben Bryant's not there. Uh, that said, I don't think you're going to see Luke Fickle with a short leash on a on a freshman backup. Yeah, and you know I I hate to say it because like I said last week I I'm a Desmond Ritter stand because I, I I love winning over everything, but in my in my pre game preview article I mentioned that this is the opportunity to look great to put yourself out there to the national media going into the bye week that you are great. You are a team that needs to be in the conversation, every conversation for the whole year. The defense has done that, like we've already said. Defense has themselves in every single conversation. Offense has not. You have a 100-yard rusher. You have 10 different receivers catching a ball. But you have Desmond Ritter, who, like you said, it just seems like, I mean, three interceptions. You know, the first one was bad. The second one was kind of, you know, 50-50. Maybe he shouldn't have thrown it. Maybe, you know, Jay Sean should have gotten to it. It was, it was a good play by USF. And then that third one was kind of just like, you know, I'm not even sure what he saw on that play to try and squeeze it to, to Lenny Taylor. I, you know, it's just – but there's no easy fix. I, it might have been different if Ben was available, like you said. But it still seems like – reading Coach you know, Coach Fickle in the press conference and things like that. So it seems like the team is confident behind Dez, and they're going to keep riding him. But, man, they've got, a, they've got some things to clean up, and they've got things they need to clean up very, very quickly. Well, it just doesn't feel like this offense currently has an identity. No. Um, I think we've seen this in years past with the Bengals. Um, I know that the Browns have seen it. Um, but, you know, it's rare for this Bearcats team, especially under Luke Fickle, to have gone through something like this. We don't have a superstar factor now that Michael Warren is gone. We yeah. don't have an identity. We don't have anybody really standing out amongst everyone else. 
Um, you know, maybe you could say Michael Young, um, but you know, you finish with two catches, 12 yards, you know, some of that is Desmond Ritter not getting him the ball, unfortunately. Right. Uh, he's, he's missing him on some wide open routes that you know, he's, he's been there. It's just a matter of Des not being able to get him the ball. So it all kind of falls back on Desmond Ritter, the fact that we aren't blowing teams out. If you put up 45, 52 points in a game, I think we're in the top 10. And mm-hmm. I think this was a team that you needed to do that against. Uh, if you put up, you know, maybe two more scores against Army, this team's in the top 10. And I don't think that there's really any argument can be made otherwise. But when you're not putting up teams in, or when you're not putting up points and you're beating teams – that you're supposed to beat, but you're not really beating them handily. It's hard to make that argument. Yeah. And, and we talked about it, maybe some, some changes that could really get the offense going. Uh, you know, we saw the, the up-tempo, no huddle again this week, and they had a successful drive for that. I believe that was the drive that might've ended with the, with the interception in the end zone. Um, but, but they did go back to that, no huddle, hurry up. I, I'm not sure if we're going to see more of that in the near future, but I, you know, I look at a player like Josh Wiley, right, who had that one great catch. But you have that catch radius. You have the size, the athleticism, and yet he only has one catch on the week. You know what I mean? Sure, it's a good South Florida secondary. Probably one of the tops in the conference, definitely behind Cincinnati, don't get me wrong. But it's definitely one of the top three in the conference secondary-wise. And they showed it. You know, this was, this was a, not going to be the easiest game to throw the ball. But still, you're, you're having mechanical issues with Des. And also, you throw in the fact that he's not really running the football like he did in the past couple of years. He, he, that used to be his best quality, honestly, was his elusiveness and his dynamic ability to make plays with his legs as well. And we just haven't seen that yet, Aaron. And it's unfortunate. You know, you mentioned getting the ball to Josh Wiley. You know, we did see him spread the ball a little bit more to some of the tight ends with Bruno LaBelle having a couple catches himself. I think he finished uh, three. He had three catches for nine yards. Not a whole lot of yardage there, but at least spreading the ball around to some of the tight ends. But, yeah, no, I've, I've said it a couple times on this podcast that, you know, we got to be able to see Ritter run. When he runs, the, the offense does well. And when you don't know what's coming at you, and that's kind of been – you know, when we did have Michael Warren here, when we did have Josiah DeGuara here, you know, you didn't know what was coming at you, especially when we came out of the two tight end sets. You didn't know whether we were going to run the ball or pass the ball. Unfortunately, I don't know what the disconnect is. And maybe it's because we're waiting to unpack some of that bag of tricks against an SMU, against a, a Tulsa. I think you have to have them in the conversation now. Uh, against a UCF, against a Memphis. You didn't want to have to bring that out against the South Florida that you should have beat pretty bad. Uh, you know, an Austin P. you're not really going to be open in that bag of tricks against them. And uh, so I, I don't know. I think that's why maybe you haven't seen a whole lot of the, hu- the hurry up as well, um, just because you don't want to bust out everything that you have right now, even though you probably should be fine-tuning uh, but you have to consider the buy really couldn't come at a better time when you do have to fine tune some of this offense yeah. and see what you got before you get into really the tougher part of your schedule here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think obviously you don't want to discount how not having Alec Pierce. I mean, that's, that is a dynamic playmaker. And we, we touched on it last week. Hopefully he is on track to come back after the bye week. Um, 
we don't like Chad always says it's it's not my pay grade to to know those injuries and come up with you know a forecast on those but still it's gonna it seems like it's trending in a good direction I don't have any insider info but let's just hope that's the case adding him back back into the fold might relieve a little bit might have a little bit of the confidence for Dez you know it just seems like like you said something needs to be fixed and it needs to happen quickly because you, you mentioned I you're you're gonna travel. Your first road game at Tulsa, you know, Tulsa's coming off a, a mammoth win. But the door is wide open for this Bearcat team to, to really step in on the national scene. The Big 12 is bad. I mean, the UCF just lost. It just seems like the door is open, but Cincinnati has not yet to really step in. Uh, hi, I'm back. Hey, how's it going, Chad? Uh, good. I, I don't know that we're going to have a. Uh, I don't know that the BC ECJ podcast is going to be football this week. Uh, trying to work on a hoops episode, so I'm 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 jumping in a little bit more here. Um, I like one. I I had a te- I got a text Saturday. Yes. That uh that is interesting, and I I would like to get your thoughts on it. I'm not going to give you my thoughts. Right. Um, the 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 text pointed out, and you can probably hear the NBA finals in the background here. So let me get that. Um. <laughs> The text pointed out that without Pierce, yep, uh, this is a bunch of slot receivers. It is. Yeah, this is not. There is not. Um, you're still. I think Jaden Thompson can eventually fit into that a, a little bit of a bigger outside guy, but he's still only six one, six two in yeah, that range. Jordan Jones. Um, yeah, he's a, he's in that six two, six three range, maybe. Uh, but without, who? <laughs> he he hasn't he's hurt he hasn't been on the field in in <laughs> ten months like, um, but you don't really have with what they're running out there you don't really have that guy with like a big catch radius a, a guy that you can really like throw it up and he'll go get it or or you know make it to be effective over the top. You'd have to like the, the the pass to Michael Young down the field um, yesterday. Yeah, that had to be perfect. Yes, and it was off by what a foot, two feet, <clears throat> and that's because you don't really right now have an actual like big, rangy outside wide receiver to yeah. get the ball to in this offense. And, and I thought it was an interesting point because you you're. You're you're lowering your margin for error. Like if you go back to the Army game, um, yeah. if you know the throw to Michael Young in the first quarter that was that that was a bad throw. Yeah. But if you've got a bigger guy, right? Like Young almost made that play. Yeah. And if you've got a bigger guy outside, that play becomes a lot easier to make. But right now, outside, you're relying on Michael Young. You're relying on, you know, Jason Jackson some, uh, Jaden Thompson that, like I said, is close but not quite there. Uh, right. But I, I thought it was an interesting point that the way they're operating right now, they're they're kind of reducing their own margin for error yeah. because the guys that they're throwing to are a little bit smaller where you, you, you can't miss. You have to be – and this is not under any uh, circumstance, uh, uh, you know, covering for Dez or – because right. some of his throws, it doesn't matter how, you know, big the dude was. But I do think it makes a difference in that, you know, they're not really um, 
they look more like UCF kind of right now, where everybody's a little smaller, a little faster, a little quicker. But I think there still is definitely a place uh, that where this offense changes when when Alec does come back, a kid that's six three, six four, has a forty inch vertical and yeah, uh, can go up and make some plays for you. Yeah, that's all. Back to you. It's interesting you say that because. You know, I thought that same thing with, with the errant throws a little higher to Michael Young during the Army game. Uh, I did kind of think, you know, if, if that's an Alec Pierce, is, is he able to climb the ladder and catch that at the highest peak? Because like you said, both of those, Michael Young almost got a hand on it. And, and he, is, he is an uber athlete himself, but, you know, he just does not have the, the height, as, as Chad mentioned. You know, I think that's a good point where – you know, you need those outside receivers, but that's kind of where the the room was completely overhauled and completely changed because they wanted to get more speed in. They wanted to have that ability to kind of, you know, stretch defenses by with speed. And, you know, but when you take away Alec Pierce, who is that taller, speedy, athletic receiver, yeah, that's what you're left with. You're left with a lot of, you know, speedy athletes because all these – also the young receivers, all the freshmen – some of them do have the ability to be that outside player as well, but, you know, they're still fresh and still trying to learn. But, Aaron, I think that's a good point that Chad just brought up. You know, you, you don't have the ability to go to a 6'3 outside receiver. Uh, you are kind of trying to squeeze it right into the hands of these of these shorter but but way probably more athletic receivers than like a, a Malik Mouge from last year or, or receivers of that sort. So a really good point. I, I, I do agree. It might change the offense, but it's not a cover-up for Dez at all. But it definitely is going to add a different dynamic to the offense when Alec Pierce is able to come back. Well, and I think that's where you just have to play with the tools that you have. And, again, you know, I, I can't harp on this enough because I think it's going to be a difference maker at some point during the season when this offense starts to run that hurry up on a more consistent basis is when you're going to see us capitalize because of the speed that you have and because of just, you know, getting guys – set back up and running back out there, we're going to wear down defenses that way. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Um, it, it will be very interesting to see the, the storylines that come out of the week off, uh, you know, through practice and things of that sort, you know, because, because it comes at a perfect time, you know, you aren't doing things that hurt your perception naturally. I, you know, you, you still cover against army. You still pretty much cover against, South Florida, and I feel so bad for the people that had it at 21 and a half. You know, just by the half point next time, just by the half point, you're going to be a lot more happier with a push than a loss. But still, you know, a lot of things need to be fixed. Let's go ahead and go with game ball, though. We got to give out a game ball. We'll do uh, do do the whole team. Just, just one game ball this week. One. Give it away, Aaron. I don't think I can go against Kobe Bryant. He did what he had to do. Uh, the one interception no one that he had, he looked Kobe. like the. Re- hey, no one could go against Kobe in his prime, man. Come on, man. you already know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, on the one interception he. That's what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> on the one interception he had, he looked like the receiver on the play. He had himself yeah. in perfect position, and he'll tell you all day long that he should have been a receiver for this team anyway. Um, he's he's just you can't throw on the guy. I think he was thrown on eight times, and there was really no success in throwing the ball in him. Yeah. He gets yeah, my game ball. Yeah, And it's crazy because, you know, pro football focus, I talk about them a lot, but they they really work hard to get the underneath 
the the base layer stats and really break down film and and kind of you know see and, and they highlighted Kobe Bryant kind of like they highlighted Ahmad Sauce Gardner game in and game out last year and and it looked like Kobe kind of put up a stat line that would be similar to what Sauce was doing last year so yeah you know I, I mentioned it earlier it's awesome to see all four of those DBs really just playing fan, fantastic football. Just really great football, and you know Chad. Chad mentioned it as well with uh, Darrell White, another great you know double digit tackle game. You know, I if if I had to give out a game ball, I am going to give it to Trey Tucker. I think that uh, you know it's not often you get a kick return for a touchdown, and I know that was one thing that he mentioned. He wanted to get in the end zone was his first goal of the season. His next goal was was a kickoff return, and he's already doing that in game three of his sophomore year. That is just. You know, his, his trajectory is outlandish. You know, buy stock now is what everyone always says. <laughs> I am buying stock now and, and heavy loads of it. So, you know, great game. You know, I, I'm going to break this all up now, Aaron. It's time to move on, but still, 28-7 to 7 victory. I, a lot of things, obviously, you can nitpick here, nitpick there. But, you know, what are kind of your, your final thoughts before we move on on this one? All I really have to say at this point is I'm excited to see what this team looks like after a bye week. Yeah, yeah, and and that's huge. Hopefully all positive storylines coming out of it. Hopefully, you know, you hear that all of a sudden it is just clicking. The offense is like a locomotive heading down the freeway, and I'm excited like you said. But the door is wide open for this Bearcat team to really make some noise especially now that they did go into this bye week with a big win. It was really never in doubt. But it's it's open. I, the Big 12 is seemingly completely out of the college football playoff scenarios. You look at UCF, they did lose to Tulsa. So now all of a sudden that game at the bounce house becomes a must win. But, I mean, I just, just looking at around the AAC this past week, Aaron, and around college football in general, it just seems like they're really – a couple of teams that really are very good that are going to win and keep winning. And then outside of that, no one really is taking that giant step forward. Well, and you say that, but when you really start digging, I think I'd have to disagree. Okay. SMU against Memphis. SMU's showing up and showing out. They're good. They're 4-0 right now, and they're a team that no one was really talking about before the season started. Uh, they got a quarterback in, I believe you pronounce his name, Buchel, Buchelli. I'm not even sure. Hey, we'll roll with it. We'll um, roll. But he's he's been outstanding. I mean, I don't know that he is uh, – UCF's quarterback's name evades me right now. Um, but he's he's been very, very good. Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not Dylan Gabriel. And I, again, I, I think Dylan Gabriel's name is, could still, even with that loss could still be in the, in the Heisman, uh, mentions at this point. I don't know that he's going to be even in the top three with that loss. Uh, but you know, buchelli has been doing this all year long. They kind of have a high flying offense. They, they win there late in the game, I believe on a, on a late kick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it was it was a late forty three yard kick there, mm-hmm. but SMU's been doing their thing, and you know it's people were upset and worried. You know, 
Memphis loses. It's going to be bad when Cincinnati plays Memphis. Well, it's going to look that much better right now when we play SMU, who's now being mentioned in potentially a top 25 team as well. So, but, you know, Memphis puts together a couple wins here. They've been off. You know, it's, I have it in my article. Uh, a lot of time off. I think that's going to be the difference there in that game. Um, if they're still playing games and fine-tuning their offense, I don't know that you see the same outcome. However, SMU is kind of a, a champion of, of circumstance here. So uh, that's a, that was probably the biggest game that I saw outside of the UCF loss to Tulsa. Yeah, and, and of course, you uh... – you really got to tip your cap to those those guys at the bottom. Uh, not really tip your cap because I'm a little frustrated with the likes of East Carolina and Navy. Uh, just simply, the uh, the basement is seems to be truly the basement uh, this year in the AAC. Uh, East Carolina, 49-29 loss to Georgia State, and that's Ron Hunter wasn't even coaching. So I mean, like you know, come on, Georgia State, Georgia State, Air Force, 40 to seven. All over Navy. I, I don't know if Navy has remembered how to tackle yet or what's going on there in Navy, but, you know, the midshipmen really not having a great season up to this point, one and two on the year. But, you know, let's let's circle around back to that UCF-Tulsa game. Now, Tulsa, if you remember, heading into the bye week last year, it was, it was Tulsa that came into town, and Tulsa gave Cincinnati all they could handle for four quarters. Finally, uh, thanks to Jared Dokes in the play of the defensive line, they were able to pull away and win that game against Tulsa, but it, it wasn't extremely convincingly. It seems as if, you know, Tulsa beat UCF last year. Now they go to UCF and win again. Is Tulsa a team? You know, they gave Oklahoma State a run for their money in week one. Is Tulsa now the team we need to start to have a conversation with in that top tier? Maybe it's because Tulsa sounds a little bit like Tulane, Ooh. and people get confused there when they're yeah, thinking. very confused. When they think they're playing Tulane instead of no Tulsa. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's uh, they've they've become a thorn in a lot of people's sides here, yeah. and I don't know how you can't mention them. In like I said, they they started the season now uh, at you know one and one, but even that one loss, it wasn't a bad loss to a ranked at that time, 11 Oklahoma state. Yeah. So it's, it's hard not to mention them in, you know, the upper echelon of our conference. Um, I don't, you put together a couple more wins against, you know, a Memphis, a Cincinnati, a UCF, and it's hard not to consider them as a top team. We just have to make sure that we're not part of that conversation. Yeah. And you know, the main thing that just, just really stinks about Tulsa now all of a sudden you look at that that record, that one lone loss. If they were able to win that Oklahoma State game, which they had a chance to, it was, it was really low-scoring, kind of a weird game. If they were able to win that game, you're now talking about them with even higher esteem. Now you aren't saying, oh, wow, they're, UCS lost to Tulsa is a bad thing. You aren't thinking like that at all. You're thinking Tulsa is a good team. But now with that one loss for Tulsa, I just hope that they are able to – get more recognition rather than it being an easy win, you know, for the team to kind of look at it that way. I hope that they now see the extremities of needing to prepare for them. And, and we'll kind of touch on that, obviously, in the next pod. And I'm going to talk a little basketball in the next pod, too, as well. We'll kind of break that up with a bye week, a little, little fun. Um, but, you know, hopefully Tulsa is able to kind of own that and, and really continue striving to be 
one of the better teams and then the national recognition follows with it because if you look on the outside looking in you're like oh wow central florida lost tulsa what but maybe tulsa is a good team so i i'm hoping that continues the trajectory but as far as the entire country aaron you you were telling me before we hopped on a lot of things happened yeah so 18 teams in the top 25 played this weekend eight of those teams lost wow Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Eighteen teams played. Eight of those teams lost out of your top twenty-five. And one of those teams was not the Bearcats. That's correct. But if you look around the league, the teams that did lose, Texas lost to TCU. That's that's not looking like a good loss there for them. Right. You had NC State beat Pitt. You had Alabama over Texas A&M. And Texas A&M was ranked there. You had Georgia over Auburn. And Auburn drops below Cincinnati in the most recent rankings. Yep. Uh, Iowa State over Oklahoma. Uh, Arkansas over Mississippi State. Yep. So there was – and then, you know, we covered the SMU-Memphis game there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there there was a lot going on around the country as far as top 25 teams losing. Yeah, and the Big 12, you know, I I just got to come out and say it. They just aren't good this year. No team wants to step up and be the dominant team in that in that conference. I mean, maybe Oklahoma State, you know, they're they're the only undefeated team still. Uh, outside of that, it's it's you know Texas, and then of course Oklahoma. It's just head scratching up to this point of what exactly the Big 12 is doing. That just completely just makes things available for the unknown and the unexpected to happen. So it's going to be exciting to see as things continue to unravel because, you know, this is a, a season that is just very strange. You know, it's it's what's going to happen. No one knows who's in, who's out, who's going to play, who's even going to be available. All those things are just up in, up in balance, up in limbo for a lot of this. But, you know, yet again, here we are, Bearcats 3-0 and heading into a bye week. Honestly, Aaron, I don't think you would take it any other way. The only thing that I would change right now is just to have the other conferences that are inactive right now playing. That way you wouldn't run into a situation where we finish our season and they're still playing. I think it's going to be super interesting to see how the top 25 changes when you have everyone stopped except for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I agree. And it, it will be interesting to see how exactly do they do that. I, I mean, if you had to put on the cap of being the decision maker of the college football playoffs, are you allowing every team to finish their season? Obviously, it's it's going to be something that a lot of people talk about all throughout time. But I don't know. It just seems like a lot of different different scenarios are really hanging in limbo on these other conferences that are now deciding to come back and play. I mean, if you're the czar of the NCAA in this, you know, made-up scenario here and you have to decide on who finishes, who doesn't. I mean, you saw a team in in USF just this week that had, I believe, 12 injuries Mm -hmm. going into the game, eight of which were on the defense. Some of them were disclosed. Some of them, they were rumored to be COVID. Um, You know, Cincinnati had their own batch of injuries, some of which were disclosed, some of which were undisclosed. Make your own assumptions based on what you want there. But it's uh, 
it's hard to say, especially with student athletes as opposed to professionals. I mean, we've seen this week with the NFL even uh, the cancellation of the Tennessee game, uh, Tennessee and Pittsburgh. And then you have the uh, with Cam Newton testing positive. You had the Patriots game and Chiefs push back till Monday. And again, that could be postponed depending on how testing goes, I believe, today and tomorrow. Um, so you have some situations here with student athletes. So you can't really say go out and play because you're making money. It's an entirely different situation there. I know I have my own frustrations because I don't want to see seven and eight game seasons out of the big 10 and Pac 12, because I would much rather they had started when we did and all of that, instead of playing when we're not playing and vice versa. But with, with student athletes, it's, it's, you're asking these kids to go out there for what a scholarship. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very delicate dance really. Yeah. And which brings us into this week of coming up, uh, not too much going in. We've got a lot of buys there, but it looks like Houston and Temple might be able to have the first games of their seasons. Wow. It just, it's another crazy scenario to just talk about that. You know, Houston obviously have been, you know, they try to take people to the dance and they're left at the altar every single time. Feel bad for them. They are getting ready to play Tulane. That'll be Thursday. And then, of course, Temple Navy, East Carolina, South Florida, both on Saturday. But it's time for Bearcats Best Bets. Aaron, do you have a game that you're eyeballing this upcoming week? Obviously, Cincinnati. Let's go, let's go with this. Cincinnati's spread against Air and toughness this weekend is going to be 15 and a half. I'm hammering the Bearcats that they're going to be able to succeed on their bye week. Uh, they'll come away without a loss. Let's put it that way. And Aaron, any games that you got your eyeball on for this weekend? I'm looking at that Houston Tulane game. Okay. And Houston's got to be playing with the biggest chip on their shoulder right now. <laughs> They've been trying to get a game in against anybody who will play them. Right. And right. they haven't been able to do so. Right now they're favored at five and a half. I think they're going to take Tulane to the woodshed, to Ooh. be completely honest. And I, I think that they're going to end up probably winning. We've seen high-flying Houston offenses before. Yep. I think they win by 14-plus, to be completely honest with you. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think uh, Dana, Dana Holgerson is probably <laughs> just – Tiptoeing around every single uh, hand sanitizer at every location. They, they probably sent boatloads of hand sanitizer and masks and, and everything of that sort to Tulane, just begging them, please, please let us play this football game. So I agree. I like that spread. I like that take. I'm looking at Florida. They're playing Texas A&M. Texas A&M got throttled by Alabama. I think Florida wants to be known as one of the better teams in the country. You know, they've, they've got a good – quarterback and Kyle Trask they've got great outside players defense start to come by I think they're, they're they want to label themselves as one of the best in the country only five and a half points I am taking the Florida Gators in that one and I am running with it so uh, you like Houston I like Florida outside of that stay stay tuned maybe maybe we'll have some more for you down the line I you know it doesn't seem like there's too much crazy games this weekend so kind of kind of wide open as far as as who you can look at at Tennessee Georgia fourteen and a half for Georgia that's a lot um, you know up and down it'll be it'll be an interesting weekend as far as finally being able to get to see a 
a Houston and getting to see, you know, another team like Temple and, and just kind of what they're going to be able to bring to the table for the, uh, for, for the rest of the AAC. And, of course, Miami-Clemson will be another really fun game to watch, 15-and-a-half on that one for Clemson. Just, if Cincinnati wants to get to that level, they, they need those crazy spreads between two ranked teams. I mean, you're Miami and Clemson, and they're 15 and a half. That's just a, a different level of elite. Any any other games you kind of are, are eyeballing this weekend? I think you have to keep your eye on the Virginia Tech at North Carolina game. Okay. Only because North Carolina is ranked number eight. If they should lose to a 19th-ranked Virginia Tech, that's going to put UC into the top ten. Wow. Also, if Virginia Tech loses – which is uh, North Carolina's favored by five. If Virginia Tech loses, though, I think you see another AAC team back in the top 25, whether that be a, uh, you know, UCF Vaughn back up there or uh, maybe even a a, a Tulsa or Mm -hmm. SMU. Okay, I like it. I like it. Now, just uh, we're going to wrap it all up with a little just recruit recruit up, And you know what? This, this, it's not the highest rated class like last year in the 2020 class. 2021 has a lot of talent, a lot of talent, great offense line. And you just look at the stats that they're able to put up. And outside of just purely winning, they, they, all of these players, they win. But you're looking at a Brian Threats who's going to be coming in and playing DB at Cincinnati. Just 143 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the ground. You know, Jack Dingle carrying on the legacy of his family at University of Cincinnati. His brother currently on the team. Dad was a, was a fantastic player for the Bearcats back in the day. He had a team high seven tackles and one tackle for loss against Desmond Riggers' alma mater. You know, you you look up and down. It is just great performances. And it looks like this team, that these groups are really going to start to have their effect on the team, if not next year, in the very near future. Well, and you made the point last week. The thing of it is, it stands out to me is most of these guys are, are they're winning at, in their programs. And that's, you know, that's you're building a team of leaders. You want leadership on the field. It starts with winning. Yeah. And, and then of course you also look, just going to run down a couple of other stats. Jojo Johnson of Maryville, his team did take their first loss of the year, but he still showed out six receptions, 112 yards and two touchdowns. And Caleb Schmitz, who you know was kind of token to be the tight end of the class before Shum, Shaman. Did, did we decide it was Shum, Shaman, Shimon, Shimon Matire? Shimon. Shimon Matire. So now he's kind of – is he going to play offense? Is he going to play defense? But Caleb Schmitz, eight receptions, 101 yards, four tackles, one tackle for loss. He, he – Kicks, he plays on kickoff return team. He's their punt returner. I mean, that is just the epitome of an athlete. You can throw him anywhere on the field, tight end, DB, linebacker, not entirely sure where he's going to go, but just having that amount of flexibility and that that great you know, acumen to just be a football player is going to be huge. Leroy Bowers, another good game, eight tackles, one sack. He had a 75-yard fumble return for a touchdown, his second touchdown in back-to-back weeks. After a punt return last week, uh, Jalen Monroe had had five tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. I, I mean, Aaron, you're you're talking about these guys just really going out. And of course, when you're a Division One recruit, the high school level, you expect to have good games. But these are the type of games that you want to see out of a player that's going to be coming in and, and adding on to your program. 
Absolutely. And I believe if I read something this week correctly, I think we have right now the number two class in the conference yeah. uh, with the addition of uh, Shimon there. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good class. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I, I think that that class is going to continue to improve. And they're both in their own rankings as you see them winning games here and putting up impressive statistics. But you're also going to see Fickle with a couple of wild cards up his sleeve, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. Because I, you know, punter uh, Mason Fletcher is the lowest rated recruit. I mean, it's kind of tough to you know grade a an Australian punter. But Dante Corleone is second lowest, but he's still having a fantastic season. If you watch him, he goes by the Godfather. Aaron, how about that nickname? That is one that needs to follow him to the Queen City. Five tackles, tackle for loss. One of the biggest sack artists in the entire you know, Greater Miami Conference, he's he's having a great season, and yet he's one of those low-rated guys. He, he's a bowling ball, someone that could come in, and he, he looks like he's ready to be in the middle of a 3-3-5 defense, if you know what I mean. So, you know, this is a, a loaded class. They continue to perform, and, and as the rest of them continue to come back and, and play their seasons when they do, it's going to be exciting to see the other fantastic stats and fantastic performances and overall wins that are going to be able to pile together. So what you're saying is we made him an offer he couldn't refuse? Ooh, 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 the Godfather. The Godfather. It, it, it is so funny. You, you watch the highlights of Dante Corleone and the PA announcer, like, it'll be like, sacked by the Godfather. So they, they are milking it. It's going to be used. It has to be. I thought maybe he'd be like, and another sack by Dante Corleone. Another sack by Dante, <laughs> the Godfather. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what, what he does. But yeah, I texted Dante last week and I said, you know, you've got to carry that nickname with you to Cincinnati next year. And he's just laughing. I said, it's a goat of all nicknames. It's, I, I love it. I love it. So the Godfather, when, when the Godfather is your lowest rated positional you know, player uh, in a class, and he's having the year that he's having. I mean, come on. That's, this is a, a top-to-bottom quality 2021 class, and it's only going to continue to get better, as you said. Probably some tricks up their sleeve as it wears on. We're going to continue to bring you coverage on that. But, you know, this here is the, is the Bearcat Bounce podcast. It's the BBP, Aaron. And we just finished episode three. This has been, obviously, a fun ride. Any remarks that you want to have, before we completely shut it down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, be sure to check out my AAC Aaron's Rewind, um, yep. where I kind of go a little bit more in depth on some of the games that did happen this week. We actually got all of our games in this week without a postponement or a cancellation, and that's a, a huge improvement for the conference. Hopefully yep. with three games next week, uh, we continue that trend as it's going in the right direction. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my last word of the week. You know, I, the, the NFL situation now tossed into all of us, is, it's going to be very interesting to see how it's all handled. But, you know, like you said, games were played, wins were had by the Bearcats, and I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's going to be one where this off, this off week, this bye week, could bring a lot of, of good change or, or a lot of just things that needed to be worked out, worked out. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they're able to do pushing through and uh, yet again, always stay locked in to Bearcat Journal. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
lot of fun off week. We've got a lot coming for you. Bye week for I, the Bearcats, I, not for the BBP. No, not at all. Chad, was that? I, I, I did lock down the guest. Wow. Dur- during your show, I wanted to, to announce it at the end of your show. I did lock down the guest for the Bearcat Journal podcast this week. Okay. Okay. So, so are we announcing uh, – this is breaking news. Like, chat, who is the special guest on this week's BCJ bro- podcast brought to you by? The Holy Grail, of course. Uh, there, will, there will be a guest host. Okay. Justin Williams will be joining me as uh, returning – to his guest host duties, how are we? That he that he fulfilled over the summer. Yeah, I love Justin so much. With our special guest, John Brandon. Oh, say it again, Chad. That's uh, Cincinnati Bearcats head basketball coach John Brandon will Wagon. be a guest Wagon. on the BCJ podcast this week. So everybody's been talking that you know they want. They're dying for basketball information. It, it, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest on this. Yeah. I, I'm still making a ton of calls on the basketball side of thing. There, there's nothing. It, it, it takes me back to kind of where we were in like late June, early July with football. As we got to that point where it was like, look, the season's kind of like camp's supposed to start in a month. The season's on the horizon. Like, yeah. what the hell's going on? And you call around and everybody would say the same thing. Like, I can't tell you anything today yeah, because it changes tomorrow. Right. Right. So like it was really difficult at that point in time to get football information. And it's, it's been very similar on the basketball side of things. They're, they're doing a lot of conditioning stuff. They're, they're, they're gearing up aiming towards the season, but nobody knows what this season is going to look like yet. Um, So instead of, trying to, you know, beat around the bush or give you guys some information that, that really isn't information. There's a lot of people out there right now that are uh, providing updates and those updates just dance around like we don't have any uh, information for you. Yep. But we wrote a bunch of words <laughs> to make it sound like we have a bunch of information. I don't know we what don't you're talking about there. <laughs> no, I'm talking other other sites in the network. When they're talking about basketball, they're like, look, uh, here's – Here's four, you know, two thousand words on scheduling, and they didn't say anything in the two thousand words. What they said is, we don't know what's happening with scheduling right now. Yeah. Well, well, Chad, we, yeah, that's not it. our thing. You see it when, you know, like, she, like Shannon Russell covering Louisville, and and, and different different writers all all yeah. on Twitter and everything. They're, they're like, all doing the same thing. They're, they're like, we need October fifteenth to come or October fourteenth. <laughs> yeah. Practice is supposed to start. Like, there's nothing. I I mean, do. You, do you want me to tell you that uh, you know, you know, Victor Lockins in town? Okay, and and he posted. We told you on, that. Posted on Instagram. Uh, uh, Chris Vote shot a three pointer and made it on a playground hoop. There you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's another like, thing. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you ah, 45 minutes, an hour, somewhere like that with the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a. You know what? I would say that should appease the board. It's a bye week. Yes. You know. So, uh, Justin and I are going to be recording with John Tuesday morning. Fantastic. Um, and then look for the BCJ podcast sometime Tuesday afternoon-ish. Uh, that should, you know, keep you rolling through the week on 
Bearcat basketball information. Like, go back, listen to it two, three, four times, see if there's something you missed. <laughs> um, support the Holy Grail. Maybe maybe listen to the podcast while you're having lunch. Ooh. At hit, the Holy Grail. Hit like, then download, then subscribe, then unsubscribe, then resubscribe, hit like, re-download yep. it again. Just play with the numbers. It's fine. Right. They say swipe, swipe up, swipe up, swipe up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what's coming at Bearcat Journal. Uh, we have been, and you guys have been crushing the content uh, this week and the, in the past couple weeks. So uh, look for it. I'm, I'm working on something. Uh, I, I'm writing something. I know this is, this is different Whoa. for me. Well, uh, I'm writing something. I'm Do writing something with, help? with the title of The Weight of Heightened Expectations. Oh, I like that. That's the working title of I like something. I, I, I think I, I've been, it's been in my brain for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to put it into words now. So we're in the early stages. I'm thinking maybe late in the week because that's when our, our preview stuff. Yeah usually hits um we're not going to have a lot of the preview stuff for this week so i'm aiming for later in this week i'm gonna i'm gonna piece it together throughout the week and and try to get my thoughts on you know a a lot of it for me is people are um the quarterback thing brings a lot of emotions out of people because i think of a lot of the stuff we've talked about right like we see in all-time defense yeah. Not mm-hmm. just an all-time defensive position group. We right. see an all-time defensive line. We see an all-time secondary. You know who on the team is playing the best? It's one of the oh. linebackers. Yes. It's Jarrell White. Right. Yeah. And I think Joel DeBlanco is playing really well. I think yes. Darian Beavers had his best game this week. So, yeah. And we're seeing an offensive line that is protecting in the passing game. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, there's still some work to be done in the running game. I thought Colin Woodside had a very good week okay. uh, in his starting debut. We saw yep. Dylan O'Quinn in there for a series or two. Um, the receivers are getting open. They look better. We had a Jared Dokes game uh, with four touchdowns. Then he comes back yep. and has a 22-carry, 100-yard game. Yep. So everybody is looking at this thing and saying – the one missing ingredient is the quarterback Mm -hmm. and they're not wrong, No, but that's, that's the weight of heightened expectations. uh, Because what did we say two years ago? Preseason, get, get six wins, get to a bowl game. Yep. Right. Remember that second year, get to just get to a bowl game, get to a bowl game. And we're going to be happy with this season. They win 11 games. What did we say preseason last year? Just get to a bowl game, win, take no, the next step. No. This team might be better than last year's team, right. but might not, might not win 11 games. This team might be a better team, but because of a tougher schedule, they only win nine games. Right. Or, right, remember that? That was the narrative going into last season? Yes, yes. They won 11 games. The narrative coming into this season – is this team <laughs> right? Like, right. so it, it it changes the entire. Like, there's not that, and it's it, it, here's the thing. It's not a bad thing. No, no. But there does still have to be some perspective. Yeah, like on the path. Like right? take take your 2016 2017 fan self, and 
look and say, wow, if, if I am in 2020, the Bearcats are ranked 11th in the country. Right. Back-to-back 11-win seasons with possibly the greatest defense in program history. I mean, I think you're, you, are, you are hitting smash like everything. All while, there's, all while there's a global pandemic and no one right. expected there to be a season at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, and remember in 2016, the thought process was this is going to take at least four or five years to even get back to stable. Right. Right? To even get back to, to even footing. Yeah. They got back to even footing in two years, exceeded it by getting to the conference title game in year three. Right. But here's the problem. It's not a problem. I don't know why. But here's the, the, the next step is the hardest step. Yes. Yeah. And that's why everybody's so on edge about the quarterback play, meeting the play that they're seeing from the rest of the roster. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm working my thoughts together on addressing that topic I like for that. later in the week. I like that because, you know, it, it is tough to think that the, the one position, literally the one position on the entire team, that this team is not way above average is at quarterback. And sadly, that is the one position. Especially right, it's the most important position. Yeah, yeah. In college football, that you need <laughs> to be, if you want to be elite, you have to have an elite quarterback. So, yes, obviously it's been beat to do smithereens on every board and, and every Twitter. And I, it's, it's definitely something that needs to be touched on. But I think you do have to take a step back and just say, hey, you know what? We're covering. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We are winning these games. And honestly, I was never once too nervous in any of these games. Maybe that the Army game at one point, I, I felt a little queasy. But overall, think, think about the You've last been clearly years. the better team. Yeah. Uh, think about the last thing we were able to sit through every game. Like, like even two years ago, that Ohio game was like, oh, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat freaking out. You know, last year you had numerous games, like the, like even that Tulsa game, the ECU game. Sure, you're going to have some of those this year as well. But yep. this team is just on a different level right now. Yes, there's one glaring issue, but still, you got to take a step back and really just realize, as a whole, they're really. But see, I don't, I don't think it's that easy, Brent. I don't yeah. think it's that easy. What to take a step back and look at it? Yeah, because you're going Tulsa, SMU, yeah. Memphis, Houston. Right. UCF, like it's it's a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet coming up. It is to win through that stretch. You do. The quarterback has to be significantly better than it has been through three games. Well, and so, that's where that's where ahead. I wonder. That's where I wonder. And I brought it up earlier. That's where I wonder yeah. if we haven't seen what this offense actually wants to do because we weren't playing these teams coming up. No, nah, but I I think we've seen like I think we've seen enough of guys running wide open and not being able to hit them. Or, like, if you go back and watch the, the second interception, which I don't really necessarily fault Dez for the second right. interception, but if you go back and look at that play, Michael Young's running wide open over the middle of the field, and there's a back wide open out of the backfield. But to the point that we brought up earlier, do you think you'd see a shorter leash on Dez Ritter if Ben Bryant had been on the sidelines this week? Maybe. I don't know that, though. I can't I – I don't know. Right. Because practice would have looked different right. last week if, if Ben was going to be in that situation. 
So I know, like, after the Army game, I had several conversations where the realization was we can't get where we want to get with the way that Dez played against Army. Right. Well, guess what? He kind of did it again. And this time, Ben wasn't available. And look, if you're calling for Michael Lindauer and Evan Prater, stop. 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 Right. This is not this is not the time to see what the redshirt freshman and the true freshman have. Like, no, shut up, stop. Because what happens? Here's it, it's the flip side of everybody saying, "What well, are we going to have to lose a game or two before we see a change, or are you going to lose a game or two because there was a change?" Right. Right. Neither of those options are on the table. That's what makes the stakes so high. Yeah, right. And- and I hate to say it, South Florida is a game that, and in all respect to the Bulls, hopefully they, they really turn things around, but it's a game where you have the ability to raise the confidence of Dez heading into the bye week, heading into that long stretch. And Dez did it to himself. Yeah, and, and he just did not do it. I, and so, yeah, I, I'm, obviously you're not going to experiment and make those changes. You're going to force feed him. You're going to make him figure out what's going on because you know that you're going to be able to win this game pretty easily. I'm just saying in, 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 the, in the thought process of being happy with three wins, of course you're happy with three wins. Yeah. But there is also some reality of looking at the schedule ahead and saying – got to shore it up, yeah. It's got to be better if right. you're going to run that gauntlet. Like, you can get – with the quarterback play they've had so far, I think you can get two or three of those wins out of that four or five-game stretch. Yeah. But, but you want to get five, right? And to get five, then, if, then if it's got to be better. If you're being predicted as a dark horse team to make the college football playoff, you right. can't be dropping any of those games. If you want right. to be considered a top 15 team, you can't drop any of those games. And that's where I don't think we have a top 10 offense right now under Des. Well, I if, mean, we, no. If you don't fix the quarterback situation, the offense situation as a whole, you are doing a disservice to this defense. I mean, it's just. Yeah, but you're, but Brent, there, it's not the offense's fault. No, the offense is doing what the the off the the line is blocking. The running backs are running hard. The wide receivers are getting open. The tight ends have been very good. Like it's got the quarterback has got to be better. That that's that's where we're at. It does, and and like I said, I have been the biggest Des Ritter stand. Yeah, it just I love Des. It, it sucks to, to really take a step back and see, like, yeah, okay. It's like, it's like finally admitting that, you know, oh, well, maybe, maybe that girl doesn't like me. He, even though I keep trying <laughs> to text her and, and tell myself, oh, she likes me. No, I, maybe it does need to be really put under the microscope, really changed. Because now, we, yeah, I didn't want to have this got- again all of a sudden we're here. Right. Well, we've gone way long, and that's my fault because I jumped in. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's my podcast network, so I, I don't give yeah. a shit. Sorry, Dan. Right. Um, it, 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 but it goes like this, though. Like, last year there was some reasoning behind Des not taking that step from what we yeah. saw as a freshman to a sophomore. Yes, the sir. line was bad. The, James Hudson didn't get eligible. There were injuries. There was shuffling. The wide receivers couldn't get open. Yeah. It was Mike Warren, and that was it. Yeah. There was reasons. Yeah. Like, people get, get confused between the, the meaning of reasons and excuses, right? Yes. There were reasons last year that we didn't see a jump from Des. 
Right. Year three. No shoulder issues. Have, those things have mostly been taken care of. Des is, is not hurt. Um, the line is better, especially in pass protection. Yep. Receivers are better. The receivers are better. You got guys running open. Yeah. Maybe maybe the tight ends are better. Not a hot take. I, I, I don't want to say that to disrespect Josiah because right. I think Josiah is fantastic. Yeah. But you're looking at a a three-headed monster. Yeah. At tight end. Right. And Lenny looks good. Bruno has been doing his job, especially in the blocking game, and has shown yep. good hands. Josh has been outstanding at all three levels, both, you know, over the middle, down the seam, and on the outside, like we saw in the touchdown. The the reasons the yeah. coaching staff corrected, right? Mm-hmm. So the next step is the quarterback to step up, elevate his level of play to match everyone else that has elevated their level of play. Yeah. We have not yet seen that from Dez. Am I writing off that he can do it? No. I, I express, I, I match Luke Fickle's um, confusion. I don't even want to say, I don't know if confusion is the right word, but when yeah. he talked about it Saturday in the postgame, it doesn't make any sense that Dez is playing as well as he is in practice. Right. And then making mistakes that we don't see all week in the games. That's, gen- that's not how it works 90% of the time. No. So, look. These are tough conversations to have because I, I love Des. I know his I know his mom. I know his stepdad. I've yep. known them for years. I, I love Des. Des is a great kid. I, I but the weight of heightened expectations has to be overcome at the quarterback position, and yep. that's where I'm at. You know, and I mean, you're not wrong, and I, I think I know. I think people are yeah, I think people are to, to tiptoe around it because you, I don't do that. I don't tiptoe yeah. around things. No, uh, but but like you said, it's it's like you know, so many people just look at the the ones that are on on the far side. We'll continuously talk about wins. Continuously talk about the way that that Luke wants to coach the team in order to win. But I liked what you brought up in the vices that was with Des being a game manager and making the big plays with his legs and being able to to not really ruin a win, instead just be a supplement to the team. I, but he has that's over. Yeah, he ha- like he, he doesn't look to run at all, which is just mind boggling. And then on top of that, he is making mistakes that put the team in a tough situation. So, yeah, I think that's it why. Has to be fixed. It's, it's the loudest conversation on Bearcat media, Bearcat Twitter, Bearcat everything, Bearcat Journal, and it's very rightfully so. I, I look forward to your piece on it, not on just him, but obviously on everything. It's the whole, whole situation. It's, it's, if, if everything's going to be elevated, yeah, you can't be surprised that people are clamoring about quarterback because the elevation of the quarterback position hasn't been – look. We did this with wide receiver last year, did we not? Right. We did. We did. We looked at wide receiver and said, look, I, those guys aren't running open. Yep. Th- those guys aren't creating separation. And, and what happened? We got better. They wiped out that whole damn room. Yeah. And if Pierce doesn't get hurt, th- you're looking at it, that is a stacked wide receiver room. 
Right. But they wiped out everybody. Now, Malik Mudge, they didn't want him to transfer. He, he thought he was, you know, uh, a number one NFL wide receiver, so he left. Um, <laughs> but they, 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 they brought in seven new guys. They, yeah. they looked at the situation and agreed with everyone that said Cincinnati is not getting good play at wide receiver. They have aggressively recruited the offensive line because they knew they didn't have good enough talent in the offensive line room. They went out and they got Darius Harper and they got James Hudson, two you know two tra- non traditional additions. Yes, yeah. That are your bookend tackles that are playing outstanding football. Right. They are. Yes. And then you get a bunch of young guys on the inside, and, and you're grow. cycling. Yeah, and you're now cycling through that, and you're building some depth that we've never. You've got Woodside and O'Quinn and Mindiola, and and and. People forget Gavin Gerhardt and Kobe McAllister coming up. Yep. Like Rest you have stockpiled. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have you have you have noticed that deficiency, attack yes. that deficiency and stockpile. Well, then you look, did the same thing at wide receiver. Twenty twenty one now. Twenty twenty one doing the same thing. Same thing. Yep. And and you did it at wide receiver, and you've done it at running back, and you've done it at tight end. And you've done it at quarterback, but those guys haven't given you yet the level of play to match the rest of the thing. Linebacker, defensive line, defensive back, offensive line, wide receivers, running back. It's punter, (laughs) kick returner. Remember how bad kick and punt returns were two years ago? Horrendous. I was was afraid they they weren't even going to catch it. So so all of those portions of the puzzle have been elevated and we're waiting for, and this is where the, where everybody's frustration comes from. Everybody liked us as a freshman. Yeah. He was great. They waited for that step as a sophomore. There were reasons that that step didn't happen as a sophomore, but now we're in year three and, and his fourth year in the program, yeah, because he was here for that first year, right? Year as a redshirt freshman. Yep. With Ross Trail and Hayden Moore, he was here. Yes. He's in his fourth year in the program, and he hasn't taken the leap. And that's what people are saying. Look, to reach our ceiling, to reach yeah. our ceiling, quarterback has to take the leap. We're here. Like, here's the floor. We we're way up on the floor. It's like um when you're jumping on the bed as a kid and you're trying to hit your head literally on the ceiling yeah. and you know, your, your, your older brother could do it, but you couldn't do it. Right. And you're mad. Yeah. Well, you see the little brother that can't quite get their head to the ceiling right now because quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that was a good pun or not. <laughs> I just made it up looking at I the ceiling. It. Yeah. But that's where we're at. Your quarterback play has to be better. And if quarterback play gets better, this team's, ridiculous yeah and that's why through three games watching the quarterback play everybody's looking at each other and going but we can't waste all of the all of this like all of this building all of this this yeah. stuff like you know you put the puzzle together and and it's like putting like a, a ten thousand piece puzzle together yeah and the three pieces in the middle like the dog ate <laughs> yeah you're so close to finishing the masterpiece, but yeah, 
Right. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm sorry to come on and rant for like 25 minutes, but no, it's fine. I'm not going to get to talk about it on the BCJ podcast this week because we've got John Brandon. Chad, it's premium and, content, man. And it's my damn podcast network. I'll come on and rant whenever the hell I want. Exactly. So there's exactly. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Close it out. Take, take us home, Brent. That was uh, that was the uh, Chad Brendel's Bites live on the BBP. How about that? Thank you very much for joining us. The C the CBBBP. CBBBP. I, I just want to know. I just want to know if it's the article, if it's this season, or if it's 2020 in general that has that much more gray in your beard, Chad. Ooh. Oh no this this is uh, this is having a ten year old. <laughs> and uh, looking at you, Aaron. It's fine. I, I don't I, think you, I, I don't think I got, you want to look in a mirror, bro. I, I got some coming in too. It's fine. <laughs> Mine's just my. I've let mine grow out just a tiny bit, and when it grows out a little bit, it looks really, really gray. Mine's prior so. to forty-two, so yeesh. yeah. Well, we're doing exactly. a, we're doing a. Isn't it a uh, calendar? You know, centerfold pictures. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. PCK yeah. centerfolds. Yeah, I'm in. And we're gonna be dressed like offensive linemen. Ooh. And the title's going to be Rock Out With Your Block Out. Ooh! Ooh. Change it up. On, we're going to bring <laughs> big, fit energy throughout the entire <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready to show off the Feed Me tattoo on my stomach yet. <laughs> it's, it's getting pretty close to, uh, to uh, BBP After Dark, so we should probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. I'm having beers. Like, it's time to, 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 to be done here. Probably shut this one down. Aaron, Aaron, anything before we leave? We'll be back next week. Better than ever, obviously, but anything to uh, to close out with, man? Check out the Rewind. Yep. Yep. And we'll bring you, obviously. New and improved play. Rewind this week. We revamped some things. Yes, sir. Ooh. Revamp. I like it. I like it. I look forward to it. And I'll have my uh, written Bearcat bounce as well. Uh, obviously, more throughout the week here on BCJ. I'm excited to get back a little bit basketball talk. John Brandon joining Chad and Justin. That'll be a spectacular listen. Look forward to that. But for Anna Smith and uh, Chad, Brendel, Brent Young, signing off on the BBP. Thank you very much. Have a great week.